0: Hello and welcome to the SFM podcast. I'm John Cole, and this is the first in a series of podcasts we're making to tune into the new SFM forum format. Our first guest is a familiar one, David Lowe, uh, who talks to us today in his capacity as the chair of the Celtic Trust. And at the risk of the accusation that SFM is just another Celtic blog, I should point out that the issues faced by fan organisations like the CST are the same as those faced by fans of all other clubs. To be fair, the Celtic Trust has had a largely uneventful life, its inception coinciding with one of the most successful periods in the club's history. Many have said that in order to become a mass organisation, a crisis is required. Well, uh, welcome David Lowe, you've certainly got one now. A crisis, I mean...
1: Uh, hi, hi, John. Good to be here. It's been a while. Good few months. Good few months anyway. If my memory serves me correct. Uh, crisis? Uh, what crisis? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Covid is a crisis, you know, that's affecting uh, all, all football teams, clubs, all, all sports. But I suppose you could say Celtics had its own crisis, and that the, the team uh, has collapsed. Uh, Collapse being a, an apt word, I, I do believe. Uh, it looks like it's lost the league and it's out of three cups, is it? So it's certainly uh, uh, the worst run of uh, results in a very long time. And, you know, collapse or crisis are, are the type of uh, words that are, are fitting and do apply.
0: But, but uh, the, the, would, would you agree with the concept that, that an organisation like the Celtic Trust is, um, you know, first and foremost, that, that, that it's only really required in a, a period of crisis, for instance. Uh, I mean, I, I, I look at other fan groups, notably fans of Hearts and Rangers, who've had successful schemes, uh, and mainly their goal is the ultimate ownership of those clubs. Um, Is that really what you're after at the CST?
1: I wouldn't say that's a principal objective. At the end of the day, the Celtic Trust has been around. For 20 years now, uh, it's been 20 years of relative success uh, for Celtic domestically, and to a lesser extent in Europe. But it's it could be described as successful years. It's a period that's also encompassed, you know, the the liquidation demise of Rangers, uh, the administration of Hearts, and I mentioned those two clubs because you did. Uh, because organisations like the Celtic Trusts, which is a supporters organisation, really only attract large membership numbers when you have a problem, and uh, nothing is more serious and problematic than liquidation and death. So it's understandable that in a circumstance like that and the genesis of a new Rangers club that. Uh, a supporters organisation that Rangers should attract a lot lot of members and likewise with Hearts, they were uh, an administration, then Hearts fans had to dig deep uh, to wrestle the club before it got to the liquidation stage, so ultimately they were saved but it took uh, a whole lot of fan input uh, with both clubs to uh, see see, uh, the one at Rangers emerge and and Hearts stay in existence so the membership of the trust of the Truth Be Told is a lot less than the, the other two clubs because we have not had a crisis to speak of. So that, that's the paradox. The better a team does, the less membership a fans organisation has and of course when the inverse happens, a crisis emerges, your membership goes up and certainly that's what's happened with the Celtic Trust. Uh, membership numbers have uh, exploded you know, since uh since it became apparent that we were no longer uh, the force that we were, so it's been a crazy year, you know, for the trust. I, I joined a year ago uh, as part of a relaunch, uh, and we never really got it off the ground because very shortly thereafter, you know, the whole COVID thing exploded, and and uh, it, it wasn't right that we should. Uh, you should go big with the relaunch. So it was a soft relaunch, and that involved the relaunch of the website and a focusing on, on the share issue, which is really why I joined. I see a lot of parallels just now with the way Celtics run, with the way that the old board ran Celtic prior to 1994, You know, which is when I was first appeared on the, the Celtic scene, so mm-hmm. to speak. We had a sort of complacent board uh, that looked a little bit too comfortable in their the, the positions they had back back then. They ruled Celtic, you know, from a minority shareholding position because a lot of shares had been lost and were untraced. Uh, they thought it was their right to be there, and I see a lot of these characteristics manifesting with uh, Celtic just now. It's not exactly the same, you know, as a competent board, a competent financial board, you know. But finance is not the only thing that applies to football. There has to be football expertise because the business is football. But the parallel is there. And since Celtic shares were were floated in 1994, which is uh, 26 odd years ago, an increasing number of Celtic shareholders are relocated. Or have died, or, or have failed for whatever reason to update their details. So that basically means that there's a whole lot, a huge amount of lost shares, which is a huge amount of lost votes, lost dividends, and that allows uh, that. that, that the, the byproduct of that is a concentration of power in the hands of the few, and that's what we have just now. So a primary objective of the Celtic Trust now is to enfranchise re-enfranchise those lost shares by reuniting fans and families with their shareholdings and uh, we're, we're going about this just now and I have to say we're working with Celtic in that connection as well because we have brought it to their attention we have made a big fuss we're an advanced stage of coming up with uh, a big list of frequently asked questions sh- which should help redress the, the problem to an extent
0: see it the, the, from memory and you can correct me if I'm wrong but, but Fergus McCann's aim when he, when he came in uh, to Celtic w- was to ensure that the club would never be uh, owned or controlled by you know a, you know two or three people uh, ever again in, in the future. And that, that, that hasn't really quite worked out, has it? And and of course, uh, and supplementary to that question, it, it's, it's implicit then that if you have control in, in, in fewer hands, that that's a bad thing for corporate democracy.
1: Well, that's, I'm, I'm afraid that's very, very true. I mean, Fergus had 51%, uh, but Fergus explained why he needed 51% when he came in because he needed a clear run at the challenge because he knew and I knew that the decisions that had to be made were tough, would be unpopular, and there would be big resistance to them. Mm. But, you know, without having that controlling position and the determination to see the rebuilding through to conclusion, uh, it it would have been a lot more difficult. But the point is, he said at the outset that after I have... uh, been there for five years, I'm going to leave and I'm going to offer my half to the other half, the other half being Celtic fans of yeah. which there were thousand. And twenty odd 1000
0: twenty odd 1000 shareholders, yeah. Shareholders,
1: yeah. yeah. And that's what he did Now, in 1999 now I had, and I did the sale. Uh, and uh, I have to say that there was an awful lot of pressure on Fergus McCann not to honour that pledge from within the building at Celtic but he did offer his shares to the other half the fans mm-hmm. and the and a lot of them did take it up and what emerged was still a fairly a uh, democratic uh, football club with a very heavy weighting of fan shareholdings but after Fergus left there were two subsequent share issues one in 2001, which was essentially to help finance the, the uh, Martin, Martin O'Neill uh, uh, budget. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, the second one was in 2005, which was a deep discount rights issue. Deep discount rights issue is basically uh, a large issue of new shares at a very cheap price to encourage the existing shareholders, to take up those new shares. Mm-hmm. But what actually happened is that the Dermot, Desmond, and the board certainly took up their entitlement, but a lot of shareholders didn't. So as a consequence, the Dermot shareholding you know, increased materially, and, uh, and it's been that way ever since, i.e. around 40% when you take all the shares and all the, the conversions and all the votes into account. So your Dermot's got 40%. But my point is uh, that that's 40% of 100%. If 20% of the shares are lost or untraced and can't vote, your 40% becomes a majority. Mm. And as each year passes, more shares become untraced because more people forget to uh, register changes of addresses and die. and Because Celtic shares are probably the only share that most shareholders will ever own and they've bought it for Celtic reasons uh, rather than financial reasons. You know, they're they're not what you would call uh, sophisticated uh, investors, uh, well-versed in the protocols that come with owning shares. So uh, the Celtic Trust has got itself involved in this area and we're basically helping shareholders get reunited with their shares. So, We have a situation where control of Celtic is vested in one individual, that individual being Dermot. Let me make it clear. Having a billionaire as your cornerstone shareholder is a good thing. Uh, Celtic are probably better off than not in having a a wealthy Celtic-supporting individual uh, uh, as uh, as a director than not. And uh, in saying that, it's a personal view. Not everybody would agree with that. But that's my view. Better to have a Dermot Desmond than not to have Dermot Desmond. Let me be clear about that. But what is not, what is very uncomfortable is having the second largest shareholder, uh, the Linzell Train Fund in the city, with no emotional uh, uh, attachment to Celtic whatsoever. Their uh, rationale for owning shares in Celtic is to make as much dough as possible. Uh, it's not uh, unrealistic to say that uh, that shareholding could change hands at any time if the price was right. Mm-hmm. I know from experience uh, that if the price is right, shares change hands. So we're basically get two shareholders that will dictate the future ownership of Celtic. And I'm not, because I was involved in, in with Fergus in the 1990s and ensuring that uh, a situation... Uh, like we have just now shouldn't happen. It's very unpleasing to 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 see it having emerged like this. So we can mitigate the problem by enfranchising as many fan shareholders as possible, and that's our principal objective. That's the principal objective of the trust. I should also say one other thing. It is an aspiration of the Celtic Trust to own Celtic, i.e. the Celtic Trust, mm-hmm. which is an industrial providence society registered with the Financial Conduct Authority, you know, with a constitution. It's pukka, it's organised, and it's professional. And uh, subject to the availability of funds and the club being available, it would be an aspiration for the Trust to own 100% of the Celtic share capital. But as I said, it's an aspiration rather rather than a reality. I mean, so, uh, so let's not dream. We can dream about it, but it doesn't mean it's necessarily going to happen.
0: No, no. But 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 as an aspiration, uh, I, I, I think. You know, football fans of of all clubs would probably quite like that kind of situation for the for for, for their own clubs. I, I, I would imagine, but is is it not the case that the that the situation in the market as you've just described the machinations involving reissue of shares to to increase a, you know like, like shareholdings of one group and dilute shareholdings of another group? Is it not the case that the way the market is run is that the 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 sort of template that Ferris McCann wanted to put in place? is ultimately, especially in a successful club, going to be very, very difficult to achieve.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I don't think there's any uh, realistic prospect in the ownership of Celtic changing hands anytime soon, unless the price is right. (laughs) Because let me tell you, I've been around the block. Everything's always for sale at the right price. Everything that crawls across this earth has a price. You know, when I was buying shares in the 1990s, I mean, a lot of my friends have heard me tell this story. I'll resist trying to do the Irish accent. But I did turn up uh, at a farm in South Fermanagh and turned up in my pinstripe suit. And they uh, saw the old farmer coming out uh, with his navy blue dungarees, his welly boots, and, and saying, hey, "What? can I help you? And I said, yeah. I wanted to buy your Celtic shares. So he got me into the bar and he sat me down in the, a milk horn and he listened to what I had to say and I told him I wanted to buy shares because we're trying to take over the club. And he said, well, that's very interesting how much. And I said, you know, like 150 grand. And he touched his head and he, he touched, sorry, and shook his head and said, no, 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 no. And they were my... Granddaddy's shares, and he gave them to my daddy, who gave them to me. They've been in the family for a hundred years. I could never dream of selling them for a hundred and fifty grand or a hundred and sixty grand. But if you made it around two hundred, you'd have a deal there, Mister Low.
0: So I've never forgot that story.
1: Everything, everything, has a price, and it's naive not to realise that. So best be prepared.
0: What what about uh, you know ultimately a, a membership scheme uh, as a as a model for ownership like the Barcelona Real Madrid uh, type schemes?
1: Well, you have to have a willing seller to do that. That's my very point. Yeah, the Celtic Trust is is akin to uh, to uh, the Barcelona uh, scheme of which I am a member. And I should stay from from my time in in, in Barcelona, uh, the Celtic Trust. Uh, is, where, is an organization where everybody's equal. Whether you uh, subscribe £10 or whether you subscribe £500, your status and your vote is the same, is equal. So it literally is one member, one vote. And those members can uh, uh, elect the committee, the trustees, uh, can uh, influence policy and decisions. And it's as democratic as democracy can be in a, in a supporter's organization. But if you think about that logically, Celtic Football Club, the member of the SFA and the SPFL, is a subsidiary of the PLC. Uh, Celtic PLC owns 100% of the SFA member, the the, the Celtic Football and Athletic Company Limited, and the Celtic Celtic PLC could sell uh, the, uh, the the shares in the football club to the Celtic Trust, or anybody else for that matter, mm-hmm. subject to shareholder approval. Now, that's a technical thing I'm saying. I'm not saying that's a realistic prospect, yeah. but I'm just saying the current structure uh, allows that to happen should the shareholders in the Celtic PLC determine that that's what they want to happen. It's also the case that if some of uh, the, the shareholders in in the PLC, of which, as I said, Dermot has around 40%. Uh, Lindsay Train have around 18%. Uh, two other uh, individuals who are friends or associates of mine have another 20% or so. And the rest is owned by... 25,000 other uh, supporters into various different degrees. Now, it's not inconceivable that uh, should circumstance dictate or circumstance change uh, that the Celtic Trust could buy a controlling interest in Celtic. It would have to have the funds. That's the main point. Let's be clear about that. But crucially, it would have to have a willing seller so it can't do anything unless the people that currently own the shares decided that they wanted to sell the shares, uh, and we're not in that situation just now. So there's not that much point in in, in, uh, in thinking about it, and that's why I call it an aspiration rather than anything more than that. But that's how the Barcelona model would manifest in a, in the situation that we have, the Celtic Trust owning a controlling interest or a whole interest in the football club member or the the company that owns the football club member, Celtic PLC
0: okay but have you you said that that's probably um you know a, a wee bit hopeful <laughs> and, and you know do it for a fan's point of view uh, right now because that the, the, there is no seller just now and in any event the Celtic trust doesn't have the money to, to, to buy the, the people that you're talking about 80 uh, percent of the the shares almost 80 percent of the shares owned by you know half a dozen people or organizations so yeah uh, you know so so effectively there's another say 20 22 percent or something like that which is owned by small shareholders. Um if the Celtic Trust owned all of that, would that be a sufficient amount of shares to own to to wield some at least some influence in the board? And again, you know, that this is not only a Celtic specific uh, question either because we, we, we are looking at a fan ownership model which the Rangers fans are looking at for their club which the Hearts fans w- w- appear to be achieving which the Motherwell fans already have, uh, so that it's a, a very important principle isn't it?
1: Yeah well R- R- Hearts fans you know, have a, a pathway a roadmap to ownership or a controlling interest because they have a controlling shareholder who entered uh, the arena, you know, with a plan mm. in some respects, similar, similar to Ferguson's, you know, I'll, I'll help uh, save this club. This is an Budge I'm talking about. Yeah. I'll come in here with a good few million. I'll save the club uh, and uh, I'll provide you with a roadmap uh, for, where, whereby you can end up, you, the fans can end up with, uh, you know, with a controlling interest. And that's a good thing, quite frankly. Uh, It doesn't really exist amongst the large clubs. uh, Hibs pretended to do it about five years ago. They floated a thing called Hibernian supporters, but it was really just a a money-raising exercise. And, of course, it was completely ignored when the controlling shareholder sold these shares to Ron Gordon, the the guy that owns it just now. Mm -hmm. So that's an advantage of shares. That's uh, an example of supporters getting taken advantage of. And of course, you know we can't not avoid talking about the Rangers. You know they were boasting about you know being the, the their club thing, whatever it's called, club nineteen
0: 80, club 70,
1: No, no, it's cl- club 2012. I'm sure. <laughs> uh, uh, that's a joke. You know.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm I'm tittering, but but uh, but but nonetheless, it has been spectacularly successful, hasn't it?
1: Yeah, because they they were they were sold a false prospectus. You know, uh, they were sold a scenario whereby you know they would have a an ever increasing percentage of the uh, the club, uh, and of course, every time there's an, an issue of confetti, uh, you know the position goes backwards. Yeah. Uh, although the the displaced king, you know, has uh, has offered them his shares so. It's so, so so it's very interesting
0: what's going on there, but I, I'm, I'm not that bothered. We should be talking about Celtic. Yeah, but 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 so therefore, how how much um, would it take in terms of hard cash to get the uh, the the sort of shareholding that you think would be um, sufficient that the that the board couldn't ignore fan input.
1: Well, you know, there's various different thresholds. There's three percent as a disclosable interest, but the the key uh, the key threshold is ten percent, because what it means is if supporters own ten percent, it means the owner of ninety percent cannot compulsorily acquire the ten percent. Once you get above ninety percent, you know, your the, the what's left can be uh, compulsorily acquired so you want to basically have 10% uh owned by fans mm-hmm. but i mean there there are large shareholders that uh, that that uh, take that view as well i mean chris Trainers is of that view he has such a large shareholding because, well obviously he's a huge celtic fan but you know he wouldn't want uh, the, the celtic shares to be compulsorily acquired mm. you know by a 90% shareholder so his share stake is Sufficiently large to prevent that
0: right.
1: happening. So that, that's a good thing. And of course, the other large shareholders, Mark Keen uh, or his family, and uh, you know, again, they're big Celtic people. So you know, you can't really just lump a small share put all shareholders, small shareholders, in one lump and just look at the uh, the, the the shareholders as their opposition. That's not it's not as binary and as black and white as right. that. There's a lot of uh, larger shareholdings including my own that's sympathetic to the view that I'm espousing just now Uh, but 10% is a key uh, target but that shouldn't even and that would cost a lot of money that's still several million pounds but the point to make here is it's not just about the Celtic Trust buying shares it's the Celtic Trust being an umbrella organisation it's the Celtic Trust being a conduit for like-minded Existing shareholders that share the aspirations of the Celtic Trust. It's basically shareholders that keep their shares and vote with the Celtic Trust should key issues emerge that requires their vote. Mm-hmm. So that's the important thing. It's not necessarily how much money does the Celtic Trust have. So therefore, how many shares can the Celtic Trust buy? It's having existing shareholders buy a sorry to support. Uh, the aspirations of the Celtic Trust. We're not in the business of buying shares off small shareholders, unless, of course, they want, you want, they want to sell them. Uh, the other thing that's very important, which always gets overlooked, that's why I started off talking about it. If we enfranchise, reactivate uh, and reunite uh Dead shares, untraced shares with their owners. Mm-hmm. That's a huge. That's a huge number. Yeah. So there's three. There's three aspects to this: activating untra- uh, untraced shares, gaining the support of existing shares, and buying more shares, all with the best interests of Celtic at heart. There's nothing we are doing that a confident and outward-looking board should have a problem with. That's the, another thing. The Celtic have
0: not, a a confident. Should in- not. I'm
1: not saying no. That they, as far as I'm aware you don't have a problem with the the celtic trust and there's I'm talking about these core principle aspirations that I'm talking about mm. uh, there's nothing that an outward looking confident board should have a problem with because I've not said anything that's that could be construed as bad you know when it comes to operational matters like uh, uh you know ship results and demonstrations sure you know, the last thing a board wants is a demonstration. The last thing the Celtic Trust wants is a demonstration. But I'll tell you what, if there's going to be a demonstration, the Celtic Trust is going to assist in making it an orderly demonstration. Uh, and that should be appreciated. Best to have, If there's going to be a demonstration, it should be orderly. And uh, uh, the Celtic Trust uh, stepped up and facilitated that yeah. with, with other groups as well. It, 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 Another great misconception is that all these banners that you see a bit, uh, uh, unsavory banners, and name-calling banners, yeah. uh, it's very easy for, uh, for uh, those of a bitchy tendency to conflate the banner with the Celtic Trust. That's been mischievous and uh, some people should know better.
0: Is it frustrating though that that the 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 emergence of the trust recently, the 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 explosion in membership, as you describe it, has taken place, possibly as a direct consequence of the performances of the team on the field.
1: Well, that's a true. That's exactly what's happened. The membership of the trust will will increase as the fortunes of the team wane. So there's a paradox in there. You know, at the end of the day, I'd rather have a successful team and, and uh, a, a lower membership. But it is what it is. Mm. And uh, you, you need not think any more of it than that. It is what it is. So, you know, we've been knocked off our perch and they uh, were in a precarious position. And, uh, you know, the, a consequence of that, is, of course, is a, an increased membership
0: trust. So, so it is what it is that's just my
1: attitude.
0: But you're talking about repatriating shares and uh, and not necessarily dividends but certainly shares and and, and uh, re-enfranchising people uh, who have been disenfranchised by th- those shares going missing or, or, or whatever. Um, do you think that if you were to be successful uh, in, in that pursuit, that that would be significant in giving the Celtic Trust some uh, kind of influence, if you like, in, in, in matters of the of the club? Influence, well, I don't
1: know if that's the right word. Lobby, it's a, it's a, it's a lobby group. Yeah. Yeah, if, we, if our members...
0: Oh, There's uh, a voting group have- as well.
1: In a voting group, yeah. we have four. Uh, we're, well, we're now definitely having four general meetings a year, our uh, and, and open forums, uh, etc. But our policy is dictated by our members. And uh, once we have uh, policies uh, to take to Celtic, you know, we will articulate them with Celtic, mm-hmm. and we will seek to influence and change things and point things in the right direction. We've already made great inroads with this activation of shares. We are working with Celtic on a detailed FAQ, frequently frequently asked questions, which are all designed to reunite Celtic fans and shareholders with their shares. That would not have happened without the Celtic Trust. I go as far as saying Celtic were negligent in letting it build up to this extent. Celtic should have done this. And they're now doing it, but they're doing it because we asked them to do it. And that's a real live example of the effect that the Celtic Trust can have on the affairs of Celtic. And what more could you want than basically reactivation of ownership? Because a shareholder is an owner and all shares shares are equal in the eyes of the law. So that's something that we're doing and that's a big difference that we've made. And there are many more uh, in the pipe, but that is the obvious one. Uh, that you know, supporters should be aware of.
0: The, it, it seems to me then that the the, the main thrust uh, or the or the short term uh, thrust, if you like, of the of the Celtic Trust activity, uh, therefore, is that repatriation of shares. Well,
1: repatriation is, is the wrong word. It's,
0: it's, it's, it's my it, word. I'm a bigger part. You know, well,
1: okay then. It's <coughs> reuniting reuniting uh, shareholders with their shares. That's, that's, that's centre stage at the moment.
0: So how do you go about uh, ramping up your efforts to do that?
1: Well, we have a frequently asked question, questionnaire uh, you know, coming out very soon uh, and it answers all your questions. What you do uh, when you've lost your share, share, certificate. Mm-hmm. How you your, share certificate. How do you get a new share certificate? Who do you speak to? Who do you call? Where do you go? Uh, what you do if you have uh, inherited shares, what you do if they're not in your own name, how you go about getting them in your own name, where you buy, where can you buy shares, mm. uh, uh, where you get your reference number, how you register your shares with uh, Celtic's uh, registrar. I mean, these are all questions that uh, most shareholders don't know how to go about it so we're, we're, we'll tell them how to how to do it and it's already working you know a great number yeah well, a, a, a meaningful number of shareholders already done this and and uh, it's having an effect already so nobody can criticize this you know it's a good thing
0: the uh, other thing that I have to ask you because it's been often said they uh, not only Celtic organisations, but organisations involving fans of other clubs as well, um, that uh, that there's somebody somewhere on the make. Um, What's the the situation with regard to the Celtic Trust? Uh, For instance, are are the trustees or committee members or or whatever, the officers, uh, reimbursed in any way? Um, Where does the money go when when people give you their five quid, ten quid a month, whatever it happens to be, in order for you to buy shares?
1: Is that what
0: they're saying? Somebody's on me. Oh, well, I'm, no, no, I'm not saying that people are saying that with the Celtic Trust. And, but but what I'm saying is that those kind of accusations often come up with fan fan organisations, or that you know the the you yeah. know, this guy's been to Tenerife three times this year, that kind of thing. You know, um, yeah. you know that that I'm just you know seeking some clarification. Is is anybody making any money out of the Celtic Trust in terms of the the trustees? No. That, you know, no.
1: No, nobody's paid anything. Nobody gets any expenses. Uh, all the money that comes in basically goes to buying shares or paying third-party suppliers for services rendered. That 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 type of thing. No, there's no money earned, no expenses taken, and uh, I won't even qualify in that statement. It is a fact, though, when you stick your head above the parapet, you know, at Celtic, everybody's got an opinion on you. And everybody knows better, Mm -hmm. and everybody could do it better. Uh, It's a very bitchy world, you know, the Celtic world. And you've just you've got to have a thick skin and get on with it. But I, I don't really pay attention to it. Never have done, and never will.
0: Well, you've been doing this job for you uh, uh, for the Celtic Trust as, as chair uh, for uh, just over a year now, uh, or is it just under a year? Um, I, I can't yeah. remember. But I kind of lost track of time this year because yeah. of the circumstances. But where would you like to? What, what would you like to be saying at this time next year, uh, as the, the the chair of the Celtic Trust to the members of the trust? What, what, what would you be like to be reporting to them on your progress?
1: I would like to be reporting uh, a very significant increase in trust membership, a very si- significant increase in uh, trust shareholdings, a very significant increase in support for the aspirations of the trust among Celtic shareholders, uh, the trust having uh, a much greater influence via uh, the its shareholders and its supporters than has, has uh, that it has just now. Basically, all the numbers... Going up, that's what I want, and I think there's tremendous upside uh, still to be had.
0: Okay, David, and just before we wrap up, uh, the, you're talking about uh, some sort of uh, FEQ survey thing. Uh, how can how can people find that?
1: Well, it'll be it'll be announced. It'll be launched. It should be launched with Celtic, uh, and uh, it'll be launched as soon as. Uh, they get their act together, so they're usually pretty slow in these things. But you know, I, I think there's a what was a the titter there? <laughs> what that for? <laughs> <laughs>
0: just 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 some background research that I did. That was all. <laughs> but uh, but uh, but we're we talking days, weeks, months. What? No, I, I'd
1: say you're talking
0: months. Put it this
1: way, you know, we'll be launching it anyway. Whether, uh, but hopefully we'll be running the three-legged race together. Okay, uh, there have been. They have been very cooperative, very helpful. I'm not bad to say about uh, Celtic's uh, cooperation in this respect. So uh, it's a good example of a positive cooperation uh, rather than a, a confrontation. <laughs> you know? So uh, and we'd rather work with Celtic than, than be confrontational with them. Because at the end of the day, you know we're we're
0: all in this together. OK, well I hope that lifts a wee bit of the gloom from Celtic fans. Uh, you know, I, I suspect that we're, we're, we're still a way away from that just now. But thanks very much for your time today, David. OK,
1: I'll
0: speak to you later. Cheers, bye. Cheers. Well, thanks, David. Fan ownership, is it a dream or a reality? Well, for Celtic fans, that dream seems a way off for the present time at any rate. Thanks to you all for joining the SF Petting Podcast. I've been John Cole and I hope you'll join us again next week when we talk to Stuart Wallace of the Foundation of Hearts whose dream and reality may be on a convergent path in the very near future. Meanwhile, stay safe. See you soon.